0: mm <laughs> from professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Today we're talking with Jessica Jowdy, the manager of healthcare sales engineering at InterSystems. Jess wanted to be a librarian when she grew up, but an internship with InterSystems changed her career path entirely. Now, every day brings new opportunities and she gets to see how different health systems use data to solve problems. This girl is the coolest. We think you're going to love her. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of Hit Like a Girl. My name is Joy Rios. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Sharice Maynard. And today on our show, we have Jessica Jowdy from InterSystems as our guest. Jessica, can you please take a moment to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you and your piece of the health IT puzzle and where you sit in the healthcare ecosystem?
1: Sure. My name is Jessica Jowdy. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I am the team lead for a group of sales engineers here at Inner Systems. So our job is to essentially work with prospects and clients to determine new projects that they want to embark on in the healthcare space. And then we work with our technology to try to solve those problems.
0: Okay. So that I'm going to have a ton of questions for you, but my (laughs) first question is like, what are some of the projects you're most proud of?
1: Oh there's so many you know especially across the team everyone does such incredible work. A lot of our projects focus around interoperability. That's such a big challenge in the healthcare space. So how do we get all of these different systems and applications to talk to each other? How do we bring that data together and make it useful in a way for different consumers whether you're a provider or a patient looking to view their records or analytics application where you're trying to build predictive models. So you know that's generally where we see ourselves in the space and then everyone has their own flavor of wanting to do something with that, you know, overall architecture.
0: Well, have you seen any can you give any examples of like ideas that you've had and then also seeing them play out in reality and maybe talk about like the difference between your like the idea versus reality?
1: You know, one of the things we've worked a lot with, and you know, our product team can probably speak to it better than I can, but when COVID hit, we had a lot of groups coming to us about out, understanding where outbreaks were happening, and by bringing all of this data together, we were able to create heat maps around different, you know, areas like New York City, and see, all right, this is where the infection is spreading. These are, you know, people that are at risk, you know, and kind of isolate or, or create cohorts of individuals like that. So that's kind of a, a recent development. But you know, it could be ever anything from, you know, point of care predictions like, am I, you know, at risk? to be readmitted in the next 30 days to something like what's the cost what's my predictive cost for my members in my if i'm a payer for instance so it can span different gamuts depending on the types of clients we work with
0: so the year- end user is not necessarily well it sounds like it's multiple you get like systems you get payers you and also patients you kind of your yep. hands in, in
1: everything, really. Yes, yeah, we're all over the place. My group primarily works with end user providers who might be using this data to help clinicians or patients or, you know, feed other applications. But that's predominantly, you know, our team's charter. We have other teams that work with specifically payers or we even work with, you know, application partners. So for instance, Epic is one of our largest clients. And so we have groups that manage those accounts as well. Gotcha.
0: So all right. How did you get your job? Did you know when you, <laughs> like, did you know when you were 10 what you wanted to do?
1: I think when I was 10, I wanted to be a librarian. So I, I kind of switched roles there. Uh, you no, know, I, I actually I grew up with a family of attorneys, so didn't follow that career path, but I went to college, I studied engineering and computer science at Swarthmore, and I found an internship opportunity at Inner Systems. So I applied. I I came here as an intern in the middle of college. And one of the good things about their program is once you get there, they'll actually interview you and determine what project best aligns with your personality and your goals. And I got put on the sales engineering team. And at the time... And I feel like this is the case with a lot of people. I'd never heard of a sales engineer, no clue what this career path was, but I spent three months in there working with some of the brightest people I've ever met, fell in love with the role and asked to come on full-time following that. So it was actually, it was an internship
0: opportunity that brought me here. That's awesome. Okay. So then how would you describe to somebody what a sales engineer is?
1: Yep. So that's great. I like to call a sales engineer almost like a technical liaison between clients and then the internal colleagues here at Inner Systems. So our goal is kind of twofold. From the sales side, our goal is to you know, teach prospects about inner systems technology, apply it to the problems that they have, do things like proofs of concepts and demos to try and show them how our technology would work in their workflow, and then ultimately, you know, sell that solution. And then the other side of things, and I think this is where inner systems is fairly unique, is that we have to then support. Those clients that we sell. So any kind of promises or, you know, things that we bring up during the sales process, we actually have to fulfill. So we work day to day with our clients, make sure that all of the projects that they're working on or issues they're encountering are solved. And we really act as a mentor throughout that process. So we're very in line with what the client's
2: needs are. So one of the things that I love about InterSystems is that they kind of, I always like to explain InterSystems is that bridge like between the client and their end user? Like, it's that make it make sense model. Like, yes. okay, this <laughs> is the technical side, and this is how you need to use it. Let us make it make sense for you. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering the way you do it, you said you work in a certain segment. Do you find that we're segmenting the population that you guys work for? help you more to streamline the focus they're getting or do you prefer to work with a broad range of um things to offer the client?
1: Yeah that's a really good question. I think that there's some value in a broad view. So we do a lot of you know cross I don't Maybe disciplinary isn't the right word, but across, you know, cross team work. So we get insight into what other markets or segments are looking into. And that tends to inform others. So the provider space isn't an isolated environment, it's very influenced by the CMS rules that affect payers. And so we see these bridges across these different spaces. And it's really helpful to have, first of all, communication between the different groups, but even being able to, you know, hear from those other types of customers customers and know what they're experiencing because it's, you know, it it all is, it comes back in the
2: end. Yeah. So when you're thinking about like the CMS guidance or their Mm -hmm. rules and interoperability, are you finding many challenges moving forward or are you finding it easy to work within the guidance that we get from CMS?
1: Yeah, I think it's great that there's a standard and there should be, and there should be ways that we're able to empower patients and members to have control of their data and view their data, which is wonderful. And Fire as in a standard is great for our, for doing that and these APIs, and I love that idea of it. I think the challenge is so many of these organizations have these legacy old systems and trying to get that data available electronically and on demand is maybe more complicated than people might think. So I think that's the biggest challenge is trying to get that legacy information together with more recent information as fire or in the fire standard.
2: So that, that leads to my next question. Legacy systems, how do you get that to work because I know usually working with legacy systems, it is a up and down pride swallowing kind of sweat that we do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. And because they're legacy, some a lot of times they're homegrown. So it's not, you know, so we don't have a one size fits all solution. But typically there's some way to get at the data, albeit probably not standard. Maybe we're doing database extracts directly you know from the back end or we get flat files that are produced on a regular basis like daily or something like that we could take that information and marry it with information coming in from like an hl7 feed or maybe a ccd document so you have this you know standards approach and then you have this legacy data load and the nice thing about that is once you've loaded your legacy data you're done right because that's mm-hmm. legacy information that application maybe has been sunsetted or it's not used as much So now you have that data available for whatever purposes, whether it is for, you know, these fire calls for CMS regs or the ONC regs, or maybe you want to use that for your predictive models or your analytics so you know how healthy this patient is. So there's a lot you can do, but it's definitely a challenge. It's never easy working with uh, legacy systems.
0: I want to know some of the things that you look forward to. Like when you look forward, are there big goals that you have in it on your radar that you're just like, oh yeah, this is this is our big plan, or, or personally or professionally, is there something that you're really excited to tackle in you know coming up?
1: Yes, I'd say always. I'll start by saying with sales engineering, one of the interesting portions of the job is that every day is different. So every day I wake up and I don't know which challenge we're going to have to tackle. And there's a few reasons why. First of all, our clients differ every day. We don't know who we're going to get. And also because healthcare is, IT is constantly changing. We kind of have to keep up with it. So every day I kind of look forward to, you know, what does today bring? Because I'm not sure. And and so that's really fun. On a bigger scale though, this whole movement to adopting, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning combined with, you know, we have all of this data now, we're, we're able to produce these big sets, but like, what do we do? How do we make it actionable and use it for different purposes? I think that's what I'm most excited about and seeing how different health systems envision using the data that they've collected to solve different problems, because there's so many different things that you can do with it. And it's been really interesting hearing where those, you know, Ideas are coming from
0: are there any that you can share with us like just I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: Nothing that's been—I I don't think—formally published on our website. So I'm going to say probably not at this time. But there are many, and it, it's really fascinating, especially when it's one you haven't seen before. You think about and Of course, that's useful. You know, why didn't I think of that? You know, our clients are very innovative, which is that's, awesome.
0: I mean, I think that with so much data and having access to so much data, one of the biggest opportunities is what questions can you ask of it? You know, like what insights can you gain from it? And I imagine that's a world that you get to live in and, you know, get to see some pretty cool stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yes. In in all different spectrums, right? So for at the point of care, maybe you're doing uh, pop health or maybe you're working on the financial aspects of it. So all these different segments all rely on that same data, but you're just asking it different questions.
2: Things that I love about InterSystems recently is that they've been more deliberate about how they embrace the idea of inclusivity and that type of thing, Mm -hmm. particularly as a woman in our segment. How do you feel they're doing? And do yeah. you see any opportunities going forward for women within the inter systems ecosystem? Because it's so broad, right? It people. is. <laughs>
1: yeah and i think these recent years we're just seeing such an increase in women in stem which is wonderful so you know going down to the the floors where the developers work and seeing a bunch of women or even women holding positions as directors here is really inspiring and actually my inspiration for wanting to you know move forward within inner systems and you know move through this hierarchy was my mentor when i was an intern who was a woman who you actually interviewed, Alex McLeod, or maybe will be interviewing. So, you know, she and the other women that work at Inner Systems were very inspiring to me because, you know, it's like, here is a real, you know, example of how I could use my technical background to become a leader or move forward in that space. So I found it to be awesome. And, you know, like I said, a, a real vision of what I could
0: be as a as a woman in tech. And from what I can gather, the women at Inner Systems are pretty well like in connection and in support of each other. It seems like you guys, you know, do a really good job of having each other's back and kind of helping each other kind of move forward and move the needle a little bit. Is that, am I just making that up? I don't think so.
1: You're totally right. We definitely are very aware of each other and what we're working on and how we can help one another. I have personally always felt like there was a safety net with me wherever I was going, and I I like to think that they feel the same way as well.
2: Okay, so let's switch focuses a little bit. Sure. We know what you do in your day-to-day. Let's talk about what you do when you're not at uh, InterSystems. How do you unplug? And I'm asking you this for a specific reason. I want to say if I'm right on this. I heard a, a, a wild but credible r- rumor that you're a basketball player and that you're quite good <laughs> at it. Is that true?
1: I did play basketball. I won't comment on my abilities at, at the present moment. I did play basketball in college. So I played four years at more I played, you know, well before that. Uh, I think when I was five, I started. So I've always been playing a sport of some kind. I remember growing up, I had soccer practice followed by softball. I had swim practice. You know, I was all over the place. These days, I don't play anymore, but I love to remain active. For me, it's my, you know, release. I, if I didn't work out, it I feel like a part of me was missing. So I'm actually in the middle of training for a marathon. So that's my current project, I'll call it. It's the first time I've had to wake up consistently at 5.30 in the morning, but we're getting there, uh, learning how to do that uh, just because you have to run every day and it's too hot to do it any earlier than that or any later than that. So Please, how do
2: you so- get it in if you're training for the marathon? Are you going to a gym or how are you doing that?
1: I am running outside most days. Sometimes I have to do hill runs or track workouts. So you have to be kind of creative in a city, trying to figure out how you're gonna run a 400 (laughs) up and down a street. So that's been fun. But yeah, that's been my main way of doing things. I actually belong to the YMCN Cambridge and that group inspired me to do this marathon. They are very active. They love to do challenges. So I'm giving it my best shot. (laughs) I actually was supposed to run it in April of 2020. And I was doing long runs up to 18 miles before it got canceled. So this is round two of training, hopefully with a better result.
0: Goodness. So is it a marathon that you have to qualify for? Oh, no, (laughs) definitely
1: not. I'm going for completion for sure. It's uh, the New Jersey Marathon in the Jersey Shore. So it's in October. It's the week of the Boston Marathon, which has been very helpful because everyone here is training for the Boston Marathon. So you can kind of do it together.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, you can congratulate me when I finish. Uh, well, I mean, you've already like got it. You've already got several half marathons under your belt, just in training. And I've in I've training. Run, I've run two half marathons, and I figured that's it for me. Combined, oh, no. that's a marathon. I'm good to go. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely feel that. I
1: might be saying the same thing, you know two months from now. So I'll let you know. But yeah, that's been my way uh, of kind of staying active and, you know, still having my little athletic career continue, albeit much smaller scale.
0: Or who knows? Maybe you'll be inspired to like do an Iron Man next. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I feel like once you have that sense of accomplishment, you're like, I can do anything. I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'll run across the country
2: next time. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing we like to ask all our guests, Jess, is. For mindfulness techniques, is there one mindfulness or focus technique you use every day to get you ready for your day, or that helps you get through the day or stay focused? That's a good question.
1: I tend to zone out a lot, <laughs> so specifically when I'm like listening to music or some a podcast, and so sometimes for me it's not so much. You know, a meditation, but I just need to step away from something for a moment. You know, I need to think about, you know, something else or do something else. And by taking a step away when I come back, it helps me focus a little bit more. So maybe I watch a news clip or I listen to five minutes of a podcast or or something like that. And that's kind of a reset for me to get ready for the next part of my day. But I
0: would also imagine that the running itself is a bit of like, I don't know. Do you find yourself clear of mind or are you just sometimes like I'm in an activity and I'm thinking, I just can't wait for this to be over. And that's what I'm thinking about.
1: (laughs) Time passes very quickly when I run. I don't think about anything. I go for, this morning was five miles, so I go for five miles and then I'm back home and I don't know what I was thinking about the whole time, but I know I had a good time. (laughs) I just kind of let my mind wander. I don't think about anything in particular and that's a good way to, you know, get the day
0: started. That's great. Yeah. You know, okay, so I noticed that you're in your office. Have you? Yes. I know. Are you guys back? Are you guys in, how are you? What is your work environment like? Are you doing virtual, combined, all 100% back? So this, how is it working?
1: So everyone is at different stages here, depending on vaccine schedules and personal reasons. But I am here full time. So I have been in this office every day. I bike to work every morning. I'm here, you know, every day for since the beginning of June. So we've been up and at it for a little while now. You
0: are going to do a triathlon. <laughs> I <just> feel it. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. That sounds like a lot. Maybe like a smaller one. Maybe
1: Iron Man sounds like a lot of time. I feel like you would get hungry. That's kind of my issue.
0: It's like when do you eat? <laughs> you get my cousin has done them, but you know, in San Diego, that's like the Iron Man or triathlon uh, capital of the world, apparently. And so there's a ton of people training all the time. And so even like the beginner level Iron Mans, I think they call them sprints. It's probably well within yep. your like well within. Maybe you just need to add a little bit of swimming, but I like I can imagine you'd be able to knock one out real fast.
1: I'm well, I'll let you know if I do.
0: I'll <laughs> I'll email you guys and tell you I did it. <laughs> okay, I'm like no pressure. I'm just like I just get that feeling.
2: <laughs> so, just speaking of eating, tell me, have yeah. you picked up any any behaviors like any special foods to eat during the pandemic, or any new hobbies you got into during the pandemic? Some of the Hobbies we've been hearing from people we interviewed, we're like, oh, that's interesting. But we're wondering have you picked up anything new? I think we've gone through the stereotypical
1: sourdough baking, tomato growing, you know, phases that everyone has. I love jigsaw puzzles. So I purchased a jigsaw puzzle board during COVID and I always have some kind of puzzle, whether it's of a place that I didn't get to travel to that year. I was supposed to go to Greece. So I bought a Santorini puzzle or it's some kind of painting like a Renoir. I try and do one that's challenging that's going to last for a while, but that's my little, you know, indoor COVID activity that I have latched onto. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> Is it like yeah. are it like a thousand piece, two thousand piece, three thousand? Oh a thousand. Three? Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. we we won't go past a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know thousand my limitations. Pieces. That's fair.
0: <laughs> I've seen the ones that they're like all the same color, basically. I mean like it's just not even a picture. It's just like here's red, a thousand piece. <laughs> figure it out. (laughs) I need something that
1: shows that I'm I'm making progress. (laughs) And if it's all the same color that I don't know how well I'm doing.
0: (laughs) That's fair. Well, I also like to ask guests if they have any advice for other women. Is there anything that in your career so Mm -hmm. far that you have learned that you feel that either you could pass on and either share kind of as mentor-like advice for somebody maybe who's just starting out their career? Yeah, I think I have a couple of suggestions the first is definitely leverage
1: your network of women to understand what their career paths are even if it's something that you don't see yourself doing or maybe you're not really interested in knowing what other people are working on and what you know passions they have and what value they're getting out of their careers can help you kind of come to terms with what you want to do and especially in the tech field hearing that from women i think is very important because you get that perspective as well So that'd be the first thing I would recommend. And then the second one, I I would just say, you know, I feel very lucky that I, you know, found a career that I loved out of school. I feel like I'm a very unique position. But I think the second thing I would say is, you know, don't be afraid to try something that you might you know, that you're not sure if you're interested in, you know, we're all trying to find our place in this world and and what we love. and, And it takes experimentation. And I think there's a lot of value in trying things out and getting some broad experiences that you can then bring into, you know, other fields. So having diversity in what you're studying can actually be, you know, a pro. So I think, you know, talking to others, understanding, you know, what their experiences are, and then just not being afraid to take You know, risks with what you're working on or what your career path is.
0: For women in tech specifically, like, are there any clubs or organizations that you're aware of that maybe should be on people's radar of like places where they could meet and engage and network with other women? I was
1: supposed to go to, was it the Grace Hopper Convention? I think that in uh, last fall. And I think that would be a really good opportunity, albeit, you know, it never happened. So I can't tell you what it's like, but that was my goal in going was to meet with other women in tech and tech and understand what they were planning on doing or where they see themselves going career wise. So I think there's a lot of different, you know, symposiums and conferences, not to mention just LinkedIn in general, is very helpful for things like that. You know, I know that I've messaged people out of the blue and I've gotten responses back. I think we're very concerned about what if you know this is off-putting or, you know, but ever a lot of women just just want to help, you know, and I think once we come to terms with that, you know, you can get a lot of information from people through social media or you know these conferences and things like that.
0: I mean, I've definitely found that through the women that we've engaged with, a lot of the feedback has been that they're really happy to help when asked. You know, like they're like, "Don't be shy, yes. reach out to me whenever you need something," because it's nice to be able to share our knowledge to to help each other out. And also, you know, they've also been receiving on the receiving end of that, too. It's just like it's you give a little, you Mm -hmm. get a little and it all goes around. Right. Yeah. It's passing it forward at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Jess, how what would be the best way for them to do so? I would say I check my
1: LinkedIn every day. So uh, if you go on LinkedIn and my name is just Jessica Jowdy, feel free to message me. I love hearing from you know people and hearing about their experiences, and I'm always willing to give my two cents on whatever you want to talk
0: about. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, you know yourself with us and your time. We really appreciated you and getting to know you, and I am excited just to follow your journey over. Yeah. Thank you. Yes,
1: I am excited to follow it too. We'll see where it takes me.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Inc.